brothers and sisters, it's such a privilege to be loved by all of you. Thank you for all your prayers for myself and Evelyn. And I do love preaching here because I love devoting the Word of God and share with you. But lately, I've been hearing some rumors, some criticism about my preaching. And this criticism, as a man of God, I have to stand up and say, is it true? Should I listen to that? But to my surprise, I thought, there are points of the criticism. It's not about my theological background or my illustrations. The criticism is, as the singing pastor of this church, I haven't been singing. So, <laughs> so for today to introduce the topic of what we are preaching today, I'm going to share with you a song, or a part of a song. So hit it, sister. Where do I begin to tell the story of how great a love can be? The sweet love story that is older than the sea. The simple truth about the love God gives to me. Where do I start? That's it. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about what true love is. True love is so important. Even secular uh, psychologists know that love motivates us. It's the most important commodity in the society. But for Christians, it is even more important because God identified Himself as love. He said, God is love. But where do, can we learn about love? In the school, it doesn't teach us about love. But the world is trying to teach our children and ourselves what love is. Look at all the pop stars. A research has done since the 60s that 60 to 70% of all the songs is about love. And look at the television shows, all the reality shows about Bachelor, Bachelors, Bachelors in Paradise, I don't know why they get that number from, and Married at First Sight. It's trying to implant an idea of love to us, which is totally inappropriate at times. It's almost like they want to give us a love potion. If you follow this, you'll fall into love. But the Bible has slowly peeled off that label. Underneath the, underneath the potion of love, it's poison underneath. In 1 John 2, it says, The love of this world... Is love of lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it's not love. We must love like Jesus has loved us. So where can we know about love? The Bible teaches us that God is love. So let's go back to the Bible. How many of you have been following the book of Ruth? Some of you have. We're going to use the book of Ruth to teach us how, what love is. The book of Ruth has four chapters. 
Now, some of you have not been with us in the last few weeks, so I'm going to go through each chapter with you. Chapter 1 is about Naomi. She and her husband and the two sons went to the place of Moab, and they struck tragedy. The husband and the two sons died, and eventually she was left with only Ruth, her daughter-in-law. And with no hope, they went back to Bethlehem. And when they reached Bethlehem, Naomi was so pale, so broken down that people could not recognize her. And Naomi said to the people and said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter or Miss Grumpy because I was so grieved at that time. Chapter 2. We learn about the main character of Naomi is Ruth. She's a hard worker. She's loyal and she needs to make a living. Now, at that time, God had a law that all the farmers, they don't farm the whole area. They have to leave parts of it, the edges, and everything falling on the ground. They cannot pick it up so that the widow and the poor can pick it up themselves. And Ruth is very diligent. She went to a particular farm which is owned by Boaz. And Boaz looked at this woman and said, who is this woman? She works so hard. And she admired this woman. And the romance started grooming at that time. She, he was very kind to Ruth and asked her in and said, don't go to other places. Stay in my place and I'll make sure you're protected. Chapter 3. When she went back home, Ruth told Naomi what had happened. And Ruth was delighted because he learns that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer who have the ability to buy all the land and also marry Ruth. So Naomi tries to be a matchmaker and asks Ruth to follow her very direct instruction, which is not very good instruction. She asks her to go into the tent of Boaz in the middle of the night when he was drunk and show that she loved him. Now, that's the time then the story ended, and we're going to go into chapter 4. Chapter 4 is the final, the climax, and also the conclusion of the story and how we can learn love. Now, let's look at the next slide. Let's go a little bit into chapter 3 so we understand. After Ruth have shown her love to Boaz, Boaz responded, say, I'll do exactly like that. I am your kinsman redeemer. And he said, Unlike most men. Now, how many of you have daughters? Now, when your daughters start dating, usually as a father, you would say to your daughter and say, when you go out for a date, just know that there's only one thing in the boy's mind, and it's not about your welfare. So you have to be careful about that boy. Boaz is not such a man. He deeply respects so the first point I want to make is true love is respectable. It's respect the people that you love. Now, unlike, as I said, the love of this world is the lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh, Boaz did not follow the world's love. He deeply respect Ruth. And that's what he said. He said, do you know that the whole village knows that you're a woman of worth? You are a wonderful woman. But he did not take advantage of that. Instead, he tell him the truth. He said, 
I am one of your redeemer, but I'm not the closest. I'm the one that is the second in line. So he know that it's not appropriate. In today's world, when two consenting adults were in the middle of the night in a tent, they would say, I don't care what the world thinks, but in the context of the Bible, this is all wrong because it's God's law. And also, he deeply respects her and makes sure she won't have rumors about her. So we go to chapter 4. In chapter 4, we look at the, the passage. It said, Boaz, first thing in the morning, he rushed and grabbed that Redeemer. And he said to him, you, go and sit down here. Not only that, he find 10 other elders. Now, I don't know about at that time, but even with the invention of mobile phone, to get 10 elders together to have a meeting is very difficult. But he managed to run around the whole town, get the 10 elders, and sit down in the city gate. The city gate at that time is the most important place where the market takes place, where everyone comes together and meet. And surely, Ruth and Naomi was waiting to see what's going to happen. And he said to him, this is Naomi and the land is for sale. Now you are the first in line to buy the land. Would you buy it? Can you imagine? You can even hear a pin drop. Ruth and Naomi was waiting for the answer of the Redeemer. But the Redeemer said, I'll take it. Now at this point in time, you would think that Boaz is the stupidest man in the world. He could have Ruth as a wife quickly and don't need to go through all this trouble. But true love is respectful. And we can learn this from Boaz today. Now, today, we need to know what respect is all about. So I'm going to tell you um, many, I mean, a few years ago, I was have the privilege to serve in OCF and also at uh, Focus. We met a lot of scholars who are PhD master's students who asked very difficult questions. They said, if your God is love, why does He give us the free will so that we can sin? And it's a difficult answer, difficult questions to answer. But God gave us the wisdom to answer that. Because in order to show love, you need to show respect if you show respect, you have to give the person the choice, even if that choice is not what we want. Now, for example, if I've just bought the nicest coffee machine, I want to show off to everyone, and my friend came on a hot day like this, he came in and, and I asked him, what do you like to drink? My nice coffee machine or a dirty bottle of water? And because it's so hot, even though he loved coffee, he said, I like a glass of cold water. But because you don't respect him, you say, no, it's better for you. So drink it up, you said to him. Now, this is not respectful and this is not love. Now, God loves us so much that it may look silly on God's part that he'll give us the freedom. But with love, we give people freedom of choice. And with freedom of choice, there's always a risk. In the same way, Boaz loved Ruth so much, she had to take the risk to do the right thing by her. So we need to know that true love 
is respecting that person even though that person do not love us back. The second thing we've learned about true love is, true love is sacrificial. Now, before we go to that point, God has given us this freedom. But this freedom will come in consequence as well. Because everything we do have a consequence. Now, God has given us the choice that we can choose Him or choose to sin. When we choose to sin, Romans 3.23 said, there's no one who loves God. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of God's love for us, we've chosen sin. In Romans 6.23, it said, of sin is death which means that we're all facing the wrath and the judgment of God one day. So we're in the predicament, same as Boaz and Ruth and also uh, Naomi at that time. We're in a predicament that have trouble. But God is smarter than that, same as Boaz. So we're going to look at point two. True love is sacrificial. Boaz said to the Redeemer, he said, the deal is not just to get the land. The deal is you have to take Ruth as your wife as well. And also you need to produce offspring and also groom their land so that they have inheritance and also the land will continue to grow and prosper. And the husband, which have the love of the world with lust of the eyes and love of the flesh, he said, no way, Jose. There's no way I'm going to sacrifice my own inheritance for this woman and their line. So he said, no, I'm not going to take this. So Boaz at that time jumped to this opportunity. And he said, if you don't take it, are you sure you don't take it? He said, yes, I don't take it. He said, I will take it. Knowing full well that when he took on Ruth and inheritance, he will have to have offspring with them in the line of um, the family uh, so that they will not be uh, driven out or be out of the book of Israel, knowing full well that he have to look after his inheritance and other people's inheritance, he have to deeply sacrifice his own wealth because of his love for Ruth. Now, at this juncture, I just want to tell you a little bit strange about the book of Ruth. Because in the Old Testament, there's two books. There's not a mention of God in this. And we're talking about the Bible. Besides Ruth, do you know what's the other book that haven't mentioned God? It's Esther, that's right. Those two books have no mention of God. But Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, when he's, he talked to the people, to two disciples in the role, the role of Emmaus, he said that every book in the Bible talks about me. What's that mean? It's because Jesus as the kinsman redeemer, he is reflected in the life of Boaz in the Old Testament. Same as Mordecai, who is the redeemer of that land at that time in the book of Esther. So in the life of Boaz, we can see Jesus, how he sacrificed for us. And I was asking God, is there any example of sacrificial love? Last week, I was very, very fortunate to be able to be a pastor to welcome new people in the registration. And I came in late, and I have the opportunity to listen to two great speakers. One is Pastor Graham, and one is Pastor Ollie. But two of them have the same thing in common. 
both of them have a beautiful woman sit right in front to support them. And it's Arena, which I've seen, and also Meg with Pastor Ollie. And I look at the life of the pastor's wife. And some of you who are pastor's kids would know how much your mother has sacrificed for your dad. They have they've been quietly working hard and supporting. They know very well that when they get married to a pastor, they're married to the church and the ministry. It means that like Pastor Ollie this weekend have to go to retreat, who is holding the fog at home, is Meg by herself looking two young children. When Pastor Jeff and Pastor Timon have to deal with a very difficult thing uh, in the church, who is looking after the affairs of the home? It's Carol and Tegan. And when Jeremy and Graham goes to, church, uh, to fetch school camps, who is looking after the children? It's their wife. And how many of you went to Shirley's funeral two days ago? Some of you did. I went there as well, and I cried like a baby because I should be up on stage giving testimony of my wife. Some of you may know my wife has liver cancer, and on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, we have to rush to Royal Adelaide Hospital because her liver function is so bad. And when they have a CT scan on her, she, the doctors just give us no hope. They said, look at your CT scan. Your liver is full of cancer. We cannot help you. Wait for your own oncologist, which will, I'll book you on the 6th of January, which will be too late. And praise God for Dr. Joshin, uh, Jeff, who uh, immediately came forward and said, we can help you with this. They admitted, uh, Dr. Joshin admitted Evelyn to the hospital the next day. It's on the 28th. I still remember that. Because on the 27th, I preached outside. Who, who were there that week? Pastor Jeff said to me, Vincent, your wife is really sick. You don't need to preach. And Pastor Graham said, you don't need to be a hero. But my wife said to me, this is the calling of your life, Vincent. You have to go. I've, I've heard your preaching, and this is a great message for the church for next year. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And he insists, and this is her death wish, that I stand in front of the crowd and preach a message. And I use all my strength to preach that message that day, knowing full well that I may not, Evelyn may die after this, but this is her death wish for me to preach that day. So I preach, and I went back and praised God, and thank you for all your prayers. I don't usually send messages to everyone for prayer, but I know the power of prayer and God have answered your prayer. God, Evelyn's getting slowly better. She's gone home and slowly eat more things and move more. So praise God for that. But the love for pastor's wife, for the husband, and my wife loves for me, compare nothing to another love that the Bible described. The Bible said the greater love is no one that he give his life for that person, for his friend. More than that, God loved us so much that even when we were sinners, we are enemies of God. He loves us so much. People are saying to God, God, I hate you. I don't want you. But God came and died for us. The Bible tells us God took the initiative. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
God came, Jesus came in person and died for the cross, on the cross for us, on the cross. He had every choice not to do this, but because of His love for us, and during all the hardship, all the jeering, all the spitting, all the beating, He came to the cross. He can jump down from the cross, but He did not. Greater love is no one, even no matter how great the pastor's wife loved us. It's not compared to Jesus' love for us. When we were sinners, when we hate God, the pastor's wife loved us because they love us and want us to do our best because this is our calling. But when we are absolutely against God, God loves us so much that He died for us on the cross. How can you not love a God like this? God shows what sacrificial love is all about. We can all sit down and say, that's great, but God wants us to do exactly the same thing of sacrificial love for one another. The first thing is, love must be respectful. The second is, love must be sacrificial. The third thing that I've learned is, true love is honoring. Then after he, Boaz gift the, um, the call to the group, you guys are my witness, so that I'm going to buy the land. And the crowd responded beautifully. They said, blessed is the woman. May this woman come forward in the house like Rachel and Leah. Now, Rachel and Leah is the founding fathers of the whole nation. And then they said at the end, may she be renowned in Bethlehem. Now, one of the predictors, I've read books about marriage counseling because I do a few before. One of the predictors of if a couple come for counseling, that the, there will be a breakdown of marriage, is when you see the husband have a low opinion of the wife, jeering at the wife. You say something is wrong. You guys are supposed to be in love, but the men just look down upon the woman. There's no honoring of that. Now, this kind of thought you say in Christians, we will not we'll honor our wives. But we see a lot of com competition between husband and wife as well. For Boaz can easily say, hold on a second, crowd, you guys are great, but do you know that I am the one who sacrificed my inheritance for this woman? I am the one who have to risk, not her. So let's give the honor to me, not her. No, if you love someone, you want all the honor to give to that person. Always is like that. And God is like that as well. There's two misconceptions about our salvation. The first one is, we believe that God has taken all our sins away so that I may be $5 million negative in my net worth before, but God has paid all my debts, so I'm zero in my net worth. Wrong. People think that they are poor, that they don't have any money in their pocket. It is totally wrong. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we have all the spiritual blessing in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1. We have all the blessing, all the things that God has. And God said it, not only you have eternal life, but one day, if you're faithful to God, you will be joined heirs with Jesus Christ, which inherit everything. Can you imagine if we have one big block of building, we can be so rich. God owns everything on earth. He owns cattle in all the hills, all the gold, all the diamonds. We'll be rich. 
Not only are we negative net worth to zero, we're from negative five million to five trillion dollars in our pocket. We are so blessed, we are so honored by God that we have all the honor to serve Him today. How can we not love a God like this? And the second um, misunderstanding of the gospel is, is the term more than a conqueror. Now, to illustrate that, I would like to invite a couple to come forward to do the illustration. Is there any brave couple coming forward for that illustration? Have to be a couple. So, can someone come forward? All right. We'll take the, the first row. All right. <laughs> All right, give them a hand. Now, social distance, you're going to stand there or stand here. Yeah, <laughs> you can stay together. Now, what is a conqueror? As Christians, we have victory in Jesus Christ. We are conqueror for Jesus. But what is more than a conqueror means? Let me illustrate. Now, it's easy to imagine because we have a such fit young man here. Andrew, Andrew, just imagine he's a boxer. He can dance, he can fight, and he's really good. And he knows that in a competition, he can earn $100,000 for the prize money. And they need the money. And you have a trophy as well. So he went out, go through one round, go through second round. But the other opponent is no uh, easy uh, opponent. So he was down a few times, like the Rocky movie. He was down, he climbed up, thinking of Rachel. I have to do it for Rachel. So he climbs up beaten up here, this side, that side, and he was on the ground. At the end, he used the combination and his phone had gone down. And he got the trophy and the money. And at the end, he made a speech. He said, like the Rocky movie, <laughs> That's uh, very close to you, because I can't hear what he's saying at all. But basically, that's what Andrew has done after the fight. But when Andrew went home, Rachel was there. And she said, you got the trophy? He said, yes. So Andrew gave him the trophy. He was still at the door. Trophy came in. Do you have the money? Give her the $10,000. Give the money. Now, this is the illustration. Andrew is the conqueror, right? But Rachel is more than the conqueror. Why? Because she do not have to do a thing, but she gets all the honor, all the glory, every money that uh, he hardly uh, earned, and she got everything. Now, should I give them a clap of hands? Now, let's go back to the illustration of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the conqueror. He conquered death, but in the process, he's beaten black and blue by everyone. But he cried out, not like Esther Salome, he cried, Father, it is over. So we can hear it. Uh, but Jesus did all the battling, and he gave all the glory to us, that we got all the benefit of salvation. And this is the love of God. Now, but it doesn't stop there. We know that true love is respectful, true love is sacrificial, true love is honoring. That's what God is. 
but the book didn't end there. Next slide, please. It shows that they do have a child. They have a child called Obed. Obed is father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. Not any David, but King David in the Old Testament. And if all of you knows about the prophecy, in the line of David, there will come Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and Jesus comes. So it's not just a random love story, even though it's such, so touching, but God has its plan in everything that we do. Now, in today's story, we don't just end there. Because at the very beginning, when we think that it's chapter 1 is total tragedy of what has happened to Naomi, like many of us with cancer, with loss of job, with, with uh, difficult situation, this is not the end of the story. If you continue to be faithful and loyal like Ruth and generous and respectful and sacrificial like Boaz, God can intervene with His plan to our human decision to make something beautiful out of all this. And we know that today we're making hard decisions. Sometimes we think that we're stupid, but if we follow God's plan in our life and we understand the love of God in our life, God can make everything beautiful in His time. And I don't want you to leave you like this because Boaz is the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. In the same way, Jesus Christ is the kinsman redeemer of us today. Before he leave, he gives us a great commandment, a new commandment. He said in John 13, 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you. I want you to love one another as I have loved you which means that we need to love the people around us. We heard about Pastor Jeff about we go sacrificially to, to aged care unit. It means that at home we need to love people like that. In our workplace, we need to love like that. In everywhere we do, we need to love like Jesus. And this is the story of Ruth. And as we will ask you to all stand up and the musician comes forward, we're going to worship this God who is respectful for us who love us in spite of our hate for God, who deeply sacrificial to us, that loving us so much, and also a God that give us honor and give us everything that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand up.